Um, I'm supposed to be preaching. You see my name in the bulletin. But um, we have a guest speaker, guest preacher this morning. Satish John is with us, and um, it's been a number of years since Satish um, had the opportunity to preach here. He comes to his hill every year and guest lectures at this time of year, and he was supposed to be over in Concan, but the Frio River um, is, looks like the Mississippi today, and so nobody is going in or out, and they've canceled their church services over there, and so we were able to get him. So we thank the Lord for floods. Um, <laughs> There lost our gain. So Satish is a, is a wonderful friend and brother in the Christ. Um, he is the director of our torchbearer ministry in India, in the northern part of India. Um, and that ministry, uh, the school, has much more going on than just the school. There's a number of other ministries that, that they run um, with um, schools in the area uh, for children um, and I don't think Satish will talk about it all, but they have, I think it's over 120 staff that they're responsible for in that center and just tons of ministry that's going on. In addition, he is the, the head of the coalition of all non-Muslim um, religions in that state. And so as the head of that, he is constantly having to deal with religious persecution, both by Christians and, and other non-Muslim faiths. And so people are constantly coming to him. So he's a government of position. He's provided with security around the clock because um, um, it's a tenuous position, threatened violent country in, in terms of people being against anything that's not, uh, like I said, Muslim, Hindu, anything that's not Hindu. And he's also the chairman of the executive committee for torchbearers. So that means he's, um, if anything were ever happened to the general director of torchbearers, Peter Reed, Satish would be the guy who would step in. And so he's a guy with a lot on his plate, and I've just always appreciated Satish for just his, his humble, um, faithful walk and trust in the Lord, always nonplussed no matter what's going on. There's huge crises that will go on up there with flooding, and they call up Satish and say, we can't trust anybody but you. Would you come in and handle this? And, um, and just amazing friend and brother. He lost his wife a couple years ago, um, and just a just a precious, precious um, sister in the Lord, and um, so his loss and ours as well with that. So just can't say enough about Satish, and just really appreciate you, Satish, and thankful that you can be here this morning. So we'll turn it over to you. Good morning. Charlie is the only one I heard ever saying we are thankful for flood. <laughs> but it's always a joy to be here. I've been here a couple of times, maybe more, before. You probably don't remember because every Indian you see, they all look the same. <laughs> So I just came from India on, to the States on, when did I come? Yesterday, or Friday night. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a passage very, very familiar to all of us. You probably have heard this many, many times. And many of you here 
in this church probably know this passage by heart. But the reason I'm taking this passage is last couple of years, well, last year and a half, this is one passage that keeps coming back to me and challenging me in my personal walk with God. So I'm going to share that with you this morning. This is found in Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. It says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, it's not a bad idea sometime for all of us to sit down seriously ask a question to ourselves. What does the Lord want from me? Today, this month, this year, or for the rest of my life? I think every person who believes in God must sometime or other sit down seriously and ask this question. I asked this few times in the last year and a half. Now, I've been here enough time, I think I can be personal with you. As Charlie said that I lost my wife two years ago, who also has been here in this church. And I know you have all gone through going through some, many of you going through grief here, and I've also heard some wonderful testimonies about funeral yesterday in the short time that I've been here. You know, it's not very easy, a dear one of yours, all of a sudden get diagnosed and being told that only a few months left I'm talking about my wife. And all of a sudden, when I heard this news, in fact, to both of us, when we heard this news, the first question we asked was, Lord, what do you want from us? Then, during her treatment, illness over six months' time, I personally, in my heart, asked many, many times, Lord, what do you want from me? 
You know, that question has changed my life drastically since then. All of a sudden, a person who has been in the ministry for over 28, 30 years, beginning to see God in a different perspective. Even when my wife was suddenly called home, the first question came to my mind was, Lord, what is next for me? I challenge people all over back home as I get opportunity to speak, even in many non-Christian platforms. One question I always ask them is, have you ever once in your life sat down seriously and asked this question to yourself? Why did God create me? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I even existing in this world? See, to a lot of us, life on this earth may be very religious and very devoted to a lot of times. Still, it is just an existence. Therefore, it's not a bad idea to one day sit down and think, what is the purpose of God in creating? Otherwise, you know, sometimes it can be very late by the time you get 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. And after living a wonderful life, you look back and ask this question. What did I do with my life that God gave it to me? Many times the conclusion to all of us is, yes, we lived a good life, we have invested well and we haven't harmed anybody, we haven't wronged anybody, we lived a very nice life and, you know, I have a good family, I've given good, good means for my family and we had wonderful holidays, we traveled around the world and so on. But the conclusion still will be, the life that God gave it to me, I lived and I spend it for myself. I usually tell people, you know, if it is to me, I would think that it's a waste of a life. God created this life, gave this as a gift. If I lived it for myself, I wasted it. Amen. Do you know, my dear friends, to each one of you and me. God has a purpose. The purpose is that we let God be God in our lives so that God can use us to make a difference in this world. And this was a question perhaps asked by the people of God then in the context of this passage here. And it was relevant then and today also it is relevant. It's very interesting when people ask this question, 
was that the prophet has been telling people and declaring people the judgment of God is upon you. And of course, that gloomy picture the prophet has drawn for the people of God then was because of their own sins and because of their own rebellion. Because of their pride and arrogance. And the prophet of God declared very clearly what is going to happen to them. It wasn't a good news. It was scary. It was gloomy. It was terrible what may happen to them. Of course, it is at that time when people begin to think, what can we do to change this around? Of course, every religious person will, will come to a conclusion, we can do something to please God. So they went to the, Israel, went to the prophet and asked, what can we do? To please God so that our destiny can be changed. And they came out with some weird ideas. That's what religion does, of course. That's why, as we all know, just being religious is not good enough. Unless we know the reality of God, the reality of Christ. So people came up and said, maybe we could do burnt offerings with the best of best calves we have in our herd. Prophet, tell us, can we offer thousands of rams? Would God be pleased? Maybe we could spend all the money we have and buy expensive perfumes and pour it like rivers that God might be pleased with us. I tell you, sometimes religion is all about how can I find my existence safe? Sometimes it's all about me, isn't it? So they come up with these very strange ideas. Maybe God will be pleased if we sacrificed our firstborn child. I come from India where every now and then, even now you hear, you read on the newspaper, although it is illegal, some priest, some religious leader advised some people to achieve some blessings, to achieve some treasures, to get you know, to safeguard them from some bad things happening to them, sacrifice a child. And religion is so bad. So many times, it's, if it is all about themselves, they, do, they go to any extreme, thinking they will please God. They should have known better, the people of God. Rituals and traditions alone will not please God. Why did they ask this question? What can we do to please God? 
Not that they truly, really wanted to please God, but they wanted to do something that will please God and they can continue with life they like. You remember when King Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he would not obey God's commandments. He would rather try to appease God by sacrifices. That's when he was told in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, obedience is better than sacrifice. I met a brother who very proudly told me, you know, Sadish, I go to church every Sunday faithfully. And he was speaking so proudly that he never missed a communion service. Then I found out from the church there were so many people who wished he never turned up for Sunday. What are we doing to please God? You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So the prophet comes and tells the people of God, Hey, listen. The answer is very simple. You know it. You know God better than anybody else. At least you should know. You know, you're supposed to know what can please God. What you can do to please God. Then the prophet went on saying three things. Verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, what the prophet was telling them was, God wants you and me, and God wanted God's people to reflect the very character of God in every area of their lives. These three things sounds very simple, isn't it? It is, up to an extent. Firstly, he says, this will please God. As children of God, if you do justly, if you live a life as God wants you to live, as designed or written in his word. To live justly means to act in every way according to the principles of God's word. Dear friends, I'm so grateful to God we have this, God's word. This is where God's principles his righteous ways are revealed for you and for me. 
how am I to do justly? How am I to live justly? Dear friends, read God's word and study God's word and spend a little bit more time on this amazing book with a heart. This is from God. I want to live according to the principles that are crafted in this. One of the common themes in the book of Micah is there is no justice in the nation. Chapter 2, verse 2. Their hate of good and love of evil was so evident in their dealing with the people who are around them. Chapter 3, verses 2 to 30, if you read, you'll find that out there. They perverted justice and took bribe. It seemed, if you read that book, all the just and worthy people have disappeared. They were content with a small giving or offering here and there and returned to their old way of life. You know what God wants us? If I ask God, Lord, what do you want me to live, do for the rest of my life? He says, Sadish John, let me work in your life. Let me mold you so that you may reflect my character in all your dealings. You know, failure to do justly was one of the main reasons Israel went into captivity. You'll read that in the book of Zechariah. I head up a government institution back home called Commission for the Justice and the Right of the Minority Religious Groups. 47% of our 8 million population of our small state comes under that group. So any complaints, any issues of discrimination, any issues of injustice, any issue of persecution, they all complain. They all come there. It is like a court. I'm the only Christian. When I study through cases, files after files, when I, through, when I see sufferings and atrocities committed on minority groups that includes Christians, one prayer I do is, Lord, help me to pronounce a verdict that is just. The reason I have protection given by the government against my will is because people can't handle justice. I have people coming to my home with suitcase full of money. Take this and, you know, pronounce a verdict in favor of us. If you don't accept that, the next thing is threat. If you don't care about that, the next thing is you might be vanished from this world. 
all for justice. Sometimes, even Christians, when they come to me with certain cases against about the atrocities committed on them, when we do the investigations, we find out Christians are wrong. That's very difficult, I tell you. Because Christians come to you expecting that you will favor them because you are a Christian. It's not about being a Christian. It is about being a child of God. Anybody can be a Christian. Anybody can be a Hindu. Anybody can be a religious person. It's not about that. The reality is when God says to do justly in all things, reflect who I am in your dealings. Dear friends, if each one of us as believers make a commitment to say, Lord, what do you want from me? How can I please you? And if we hear that from God, do justly in all things, we will re-examine our thinking. We will re-examine our attitudes. We will re-examine our lifestyle. We will, we will re-examine our business dealings. Even in our relationships with one another. Even in our own fellowships. Think like God. That's what God wants you and me to do. Then he says to love mercy. Let me tell you, this is, you can call it kindness, you can call it goodness, favor, whatever it is. Mercy is the richest expression of the character of God. Circumstances and difficult situations and sudden deaths and tragedies can sometimes make our hearts hard. That's when we need to go to God. You know, from the beginning in the Old Testament history, you'll find God is hard to care for the poor and needy, to care for the sufferers, to care for the widows and the asylum seekers and so on. You'll read that everywhere. So here what God is telling them is, not only read, but also you must reflect this character of mine through your life. You know, a little boy, a slum kid, who challenged my life, where now we started some school ministries for the underprivileged back home. This little kid one day took me to his slum where he lived. I walked with him through these over 10,000 families living in, in a very bad, dilapidated condition. As I walked through, Suddenly I saw a scene, a little girl, right in front of her little shed 
or a slum dwelling. A drain was flowing. In that drain, they have no sanitation there, there's nothing. So you can imagine what is in the drain. Suddenly there was a little piece of bread in that water. And this little girl stretched her hand and took that bread and ate it. When I saw that, of course, first I felt like puking. But you know, that broke my heart. That broke my heart. I stood there and cried. I said, Lord, help me to help these people, these kids. So to cut the story short, as a result of all that, Himalayan torchbearers, that is the torchbearers Indian branch, started another school for the children of that slum area. Today we have 155 children in that school. We have seven schools that we started for underprivileged children. Each one of those schools started with a story like that. You know, this is one thing that we could all pray about. Lord, make me merciful, make me kind, because this is what God wants through our life, through our dealings. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity? And passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Characteristics of God. Merciful. Kind. Forgiving. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35 and 36, But love your enemies, do good, and lend, helping, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. The more I live in this world, the more I see the world around me, there is only one prayer in my heart. I want to be kind. I want to be merciful. I want to be forgiving. I want to be someone whom somebody else can come and cry upon my shoulder. It is very easy to be otherwise, you see. Here when you read these words like God has been good to the everyone, good and bad people. Not just to Christians, let me tell you. Otherwise they will not be sun, that everybody, they won't be wonderful rain like this, that everybody benefit from. This is the heart of God. I recently heard a true story. An uncle who told me he was walking with his 
with this young boy and he was on the mountain. He was about to fall off the cliff into the ditch. The presence of his uncle, presence of mind of his uncle was so quick, he grabbed his hand and got him out of that thing. Otherwise, he would have been way down there. The little boy turned around and said, I am so glad I held on to my uncle's hand. Uncle said, laughed. He said, I am glad I was holding on to you. You know, so many times we think our lives survive, our lives are good, our lives are great, because of us. The merciful hands of God, the kind heart of God, the loving hands of God is constantly holding us up. He never loses his grip on you and me, my dear friends. That's why we need to let God make us to be like him. This is the only way you and I can make a difference in this world. In October last year, January last year was my wife who went to be with the Lord. I was still going through all the grief then in October, I had an opportunity to go to Africa to preach in a mission conference. Just before I went, my nephew called me. I only have one brother who is a Christian through whom I became a Christian. He was my friend and father and everything. So my nephew called me and said, Uncle, Dad is not feeling well. And where are you? I said, I'm on my way to Africa. He said, very serious. He said, no, no, you go ahead and come back. I said, I'll be back in 10 days. So I went to the mission conference and I spoke there for a week. And, and then on my way back, I was sitting in Nairobi uh, airport. All of a sudden, my nephew again called. He said, uncle, dad is no more. So at that time, I did not know how to react because he was the only relative I ever had, apart from my wife, who's gone, now he. So then I said to him straight away, I said, well, I'm going to be in the flight in the next 45 minutes or so. I'll be home, you know, tomorrow. And would you please hold on? to the funeral, because in India, funeral takes place same day or next day. They don't keep the body for long. He said, sure, we will wait. Then I had to get a connecting flight from Addis Ababa. So the staff announced that in Kenya, the flight was delayed due to bad weather. So we will be delayed for two hours. That meant I'll miss my connection in Addis Ababa. So I said, well, still God is in control. I'll go to Addis Baba. I'm sure they will put me in another flight. By the time I got there, they said, sorry, you missed your flight. There isn't another one for next 24 hours. But we will make sure we will put you up in a nice hotel. I was not interested in a hotel. I was interested in the funeral back home. 
I wanted to be home at least to see my brother's body. That was not going to happen. So I went into this hotel and I stayed there. At night I wasn't feeling sleepy. My mind was, you know, back home. And all of a sudden I was thinking, Lord, why the delay? You know, you could have held that aeroplane for me, you know. Then I came out in the lobby of the hotel. They were making beautiful Ethiopian coffee. If you ever had good Ethiopian coffee, you know, in the traditional way, it's beautiful, I tell you. I sat there and I, I love coffee. So I sat there and I drank just coffee one after another, another, one after another, lots of coffee. I thought that was a good time pass. While I was having coffee, I was actually asking God, Lord, why the delay? You are God of gods. You are the Lord of lords. You can do whatever you want. Amen. You could have held my aeroplane so that I could get home in time for funeral. All of a sudden, things changed for me. God began to deal with me. You know, as a result of that, I began to see merciful hands of God, even in that. God, my merciful God, knew I am such a weak human being, I'll be so horrible and disastrous if I will be there at the funeral. It was a big funeral with television, everything. My brother was a big preacher in that region. And here I will be there I may not be able to control myself. And God knew it. My heavenly father, what he did, he canceled an aeroplane. I feel sorry for the other passengers. But he did that for me. Merciful God. Later on, I thanked God for what he did for me. Finally, he says, how can you please God? He says, walk humbly with your God. This is probably one of the most difficult things for all of us. You know, people of God in Micah's day, they were not humble. If you read chapters 2 and 3, you'll find they were very proud people, though they were God's people. They thought very highly of themselves. They worshipped their desires and their opinions instead of God. God hates pride. They delighted in positions and praises of man. That's why the prophet said, this is what will please God. Walk humbly before God. You know, the moment you and I come to a stage where we say, it is not about me, it is all about God, this life is. What I do is not about me, it is about God. It is all about Jesus. If we lived a life with the purpose, the only purpose of giving credit to Jesus for everything, 
our testimonies will be different. How can you walk humbly with God? Only when you and, when you and I know him so closely as he is. How many times we forget how majestic and glorious and magnificent, amazing God we have. It says in Isaiah 57 verse 15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. A clear view of who God makes you and me humble. Because in front of him, nothing else will matter. All we will say is, Lord, let your will be done. It's not a bad thing to ask a question. God, what do you want me to do? What can I do to please you? Are you pleased with my life? Why am I even existing on this earth, oh God? Let me tell you, my dear friends, your life and my life will turn around to something that will truly honor and please God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. You reveal yourself to us every day through so many different ways because you care for us. You reveal yourself to us so that we may submit ourselves to you so that you can fulfill your objectives of transforming us into the likeness of your son. Heavenly Father, so many times our lives continues as just an existence without purpose. Heavenly Father, you created us so that we may live a meaningful life with God living in our lives and constantly in all that we do as we seek to walk humbly, as we live a merciful life as the character of God being reflected, as we have a desire to be like God in all that we do. living a righteous life. Heavenly Father, that brings meaning to our life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You're so kind to work in our life and mold us and change us and continuously reminding us how we can please you and what's the purpose of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.